All right, good morning, everybody. It's so great that you're just mingling around. That means you like each other. It's a good sign. So if you guys um, would stand for the scripture reading, buckle up, though. It's, it's a mouthful, but we got this. All right, so our scripture reading is Luke 15, starting in verse 11. And he said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that falls to me. So he divided his wealth between them. And not many days later, the young son gathered everything together and went on a journey to a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be impoverished. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving, uh, and no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger? I will get up and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things could be. And he said to him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours. And yet you have never given me a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when the son of yours came home, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you have always been with me, and all, that is, and all that is mine is yours. But we have to celebrate and rejoice, for your brother, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live. He was lost and has now been found. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you remain standing as we pray? Lord, thank you that you are the God who loves the prodigal, the one who runs away. Know it, Lord. Thank you, this son who is in proximity near to you, but doesn't know it, Lord. Thank you, this Father's Day, for a reminder that you are the good, the Holy Father who loves and loves and loves us. We praise your name. We worship you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And God's people shouted with joy. Amen. Amen. You may be seated now. This parable, we've saved the best for last, haven't we? Uh, next week, Brett will continue this series, but uh, it's a postscript that we're calling it. This parable today, the prodigal son, it has to be your favorite one, right? If it's not, 
Get out of here. This is the best. It's so good. Maybe you've heard of a guy named Charles Dickens, anybody? And a little writer wrote some books a long time ago. He said, this is the best story ever written. Ralph Waldo Emerson said the same thing. Out of all the stories ever written by humans, this has got to be the best one. And guess what? This one is written by God. Ultimately, this is Jesus, God telling us what the kingdom of God is like. I know I have heard sermons on this before. Anybody ever heard a sermon on the... Okay, all the hands. Uh, I have heard many sermons this week. Um, I, I usually listen to some sermons on the text I'm going to preach about to, to basically just steal other people's stuff, let's be honest. Um, but I, I usually listen to sermons in the gym while all the other kids are listening to their rock music and their rap music. I'm listening listening to sermons. I listened to Billy Graham and John MacArthur, Stephen Furtick, uh, Matt Chandler. Uh, this week, whoever just came up on YouTube, I would listen to, to at least parts of their sermon. And I heard this sermon. I had this thought. I'm guilty of this thought. I thought, I could preach this sermon in my sleep. And then I thought, the congregation, you guys could probably listen to this sermon in your sleep. Like, we all know it. Even people that don't normally go to church. They know the story. Yeah, yeah, I got it. I got a kid, asked for money. He runs away. He spends it all. He ends up poor, comes back to the father. Father welcomes him. There's an older son. He's jealous. That's it. That's the whole story, right? Easy peasy, right? Like we, I just think like we could, we know the story. It's easy and we would be wrong. There is an alarm going off in your soul, in my soul as we read this and it's a wake up alarm. Wake up. Wake up, wake up. This text is not what it seems. This text is God himself communicating something beyond the story itself. It's more than a metaphor and a mystery. This is the words of God of what the kingdom of God is like. It's not a cute story. We can never just get it. I think of like really wise people who have doctorates in physics and science and things. They will often tell you, yeah, the more you know, the more you realize that you don't know everything. You more you realize like you're opening a box to not understanding all that there is. This sermon, this uh, parable is one of those things where it seems easy and yet there's much more to it. This sermon, uh, we're going to go back to a three-point sermon. I know we've been all over the place this series. Last week was a five-pointer. Thanks for holding on and being there with me. Uh, a couple weeks ago was a two-pointer. What was I thinking? We're back to the norm. Three-point sermon. There's three characters in the sermon. It's like something is going on, and we get to see it from one two, three angles. There's three characters, the younger son, number one, number two, the older son, and finally, number three will be the point of view of the father. This is like a, one of those sermons that I could think of several movies in this genre that are about one thing, and you get to see it from three different perspectives. That's what we're going to try to do this morning. Look at something seemingly simple from three different angles and think, wow, this is actually mysterious. This is actually the kingdom of God. And what we have here, unlike many parables, is the context in which Jesus told this. Oftentimes we just have a parable. Jesus tells a story. We're like, great, that's a wonderful story. Sometimes we get the context in which he was telling this story. Last week we talked about the parable of the, remember? 
The seeds and the sower. Yeah, this extravagant sower who's just throwing seeds everywhere. What's the context there? Well, there he was talking to the multitudes. Thousands and thousands of people came to listen to Jesus. And he tells this this parable about a sower who just sows seeds everywhere. And it lands on different types of soils. So it is like the kingdom of God. These multitudes of people listening and hearing. That's what's going on right now. The crowd is listening. And there's different ways people are accepting this word of God, this parable, the parable we're talking about today, the prodigal son, we happen to have the context. And you know what it is? It's a bunch of sinners that are hanging out with Jesus. And there's these religious leaders, the Pharisees, the scribes that see this scene happening. They see Jesus hanging out with these sinners. Let's look at it. Luke 15 Chapter 15, verse 1 says, Now the tax collectors and sinners. Tax collectors were like these people that had um, betrayed their own people, were taking and stealing, not just the taxes that were uh, supposed to be paid to Rome, but stealing more. They were the scoundrels. They were, no one wanted to be around a tax collector in those days. I don't know that anyone wants to be around them in these days, right? Um, anyways, uh, they were the bad guys, and the sinners, obviously the bad guys, were coming near to him, to Jesus, to listen to him. Verse 2 in Luke 15 says, Now both... The Pharisees and the scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So what does Jesus do? He does what he does best, I guess. He does what he normally does. He begins to tell stories, parables, and they are profound mysteries. These are not cute little stories. These are profound mysteries that cut into our heart and like an alarm. Wake up, wake up, wake up. This is what's really going on. He tells three parables, the trifecta, a sermon of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and then this one, the, the parable of the lost son. So let's look at these, uh, these three characters. Let's look at this parable of the lost son. Let's dive in. Point number one is this, to talk about the runaway son, to talk about the prodigal, to talk about the lost son. Point number one is this, the runaway son is chased, is chased after by the father. The runaway son is chased by the father. We know the story, right? Starts off with this young son coming to his father saying, Dad, give me my inheritance. In other words, Dad, I wish you were dead, right? I mean, that's when you get your inheritance is when the father, and he's like, dad, as if you're dead, this is a horrible, shameful thing. This is like, why is this going on right now? Jesus is telling a parable and everybody there would be like, dude, this guy's bad. Like out of all the sinners Jesus ever portrays, this guy, this prodigal son takes the cake for sure. He asked his dad for his inheritance and guess what happens? His dad gives it to him. Are you crazy? Like my kids, th- this week we went camping. We call it camping, but it was like a, uh, it was like they had a swimming pool and an arcade, and we stayed in a little lodge. And it's it's camping, whatever. Uh, so we have. <laughs> There's a comedian that says, uh, my parents never took me camping because they loved me. <laughs> well, we took them camping and they had fun. But there was this dumb little arcade and it had like these old 90s games, like not the cool ones, like the ones that even in the 90s weren't popular. And it had like the claw thing. 
and it grabs something supposedly, but like the stuffed animals and things are so packed in there. No one's getting anything. It's just complete waste of money. And my kids are like, Dad, give me some money. Dad, give me a dollar. Dad, Dad, give me some money. Dad, give me some more coins. Dad, I need a quarter. Dad, Dad, please. And I know you're going to waste it on the coin. You're going to put 50 cents in the claw machine, and there's not a chance you're getting anything out of there. And, and Jay was like, Dad, can I have my birthday money early? His birthday is like a month and a half away. Dad, give him my birthday. No, absolutely not. There's no way I'm giving you any money to waste on this dumb claw game. And go ask mom. Mom gave him the money. But anyways, I was like, no, no way, Jose. Go to your room or the lodge, wherever you're staying. Get, get out of here. But for some reason, this prodigal son has the audacity to first ask. And the shameful thing happens where the dad, in, in the midst of a couple of days, must have liquidated everything in order to give his youngest son his share of everything. And this kid goes and does what? He goes and wastes it. You know what the word prodigal means i didn't really know what it meant until uh this incident in high school i was in uh, uh english class i signed up uh going into my senior year for ap that stands for advanced placement english i had no business being in there but uh, some of my friends were in it so i signed up and i guess the counselors didn't like look to see who actually deserved to be in there so i just got in and i tried to keep up and it was a great class I, everyone it, like people came with like uh, we're going to talk about literature and i was trying to keep up and, and one time one kid his name is Randy Hansen was like, hey, this story reminds me of the story of the prodigal son. And I was like, what's the, what's the prodigal son? And everyone looked at me like, you're the Christian. You're the kid that goes to youth group. It's in the Bible, dummy. But in my Bible, I had the NIV, it says the story of the lost son. Prodigal is a King James word. So I just didn't know. He made fun of me. The whole class was like giggling. It's like, what? Does everyone know this is the prodigal? Yes, everyone knows that this is the prodigal son. But do you know what the word means? Let me call on you. See if you really know. I won't do that. It means crazy living. It's an English word from a Latin word that means uh, a couple different things. Uh, Selfishness, looking for pleasure, uh, given to uh, just reckless, lavish, wasteful type living. This is what the younger son goes and does. That's what a prodigal does. They live life lavishly. They spend it all up. We find out a little later in the details that there was prostitutes involved and just wild squandering type living. And guess what happens? You know, kind of spoiler alerting uh, this whole sermon because we already know it anyways. The, The son runs out of money, comes back to the father, and guess what? The father will receive him. That's the spoiler alert. He, he comes back to his father. The father will receive him. It's a reminder to us that no matter where we're at, no matter where we have been, there's no sin that can be named that cannot be forgiven. And, and by the father, there's, there's no one in here, there's no one anywhere that will not be welcomed by the father. If, they, if people turn and come to the father, he welcomes them. So this son goes out, squanders his living, and then things go really bad. Like he must have been living it up. And I think that this story is one that I think I'm just as guilty as any other preacher that we get into the story. Like, what was the prodigal son thinking? Well, first of all, we realize that this didn't actually happen. Like this isn't about the Smith boys down the road. It's all a parable. It's all a mystery. And I think it invites us in to think about like, what must have this been like for this son to have spent everything and then 
he runs out of money, and at the same time, a famine happens. You know what a famine is? I pray we never, ever experience anything like what a famine is. Some people are like, yeah, I went to the restaurant the other day, and I ordered the chicken fried steak, and the waitress came back with the menu. That's always a bad sign. And they said, we ran out of chicken fried steak. Oh, the famine. Oh, they're out of something. That's not a famine. A famine is when, like, there's no food amongst the whole, like, civilization, all the villages or a country. Like, there's none. Like, in our day and age, it would be, like, uh, a family really down on their luck going through all their food. Like, even the back food in the back pantry and not having anything. And there's no hope for any food. Like, this is severe hunger. I think I've, I've seen this a couple times in my life pretty recently. I think I've told this story before. Uh, every Wednesday, we, uh, there's lots, I'm looking around, I see lots of volunteers with the pantry that uh, we, we partner with another church in town, St. Andrews. And uh, in the basement there, there's, uh, we, we collect food, we give it from Care and Share, and it's a pantry that's open and welcome to anyone in the community from one to two every Wednesday. And it takes a lot of work. If any of you are ever like, oh, I, I would love to be a part of something like that, a service, th- there's a wonderful opportunity uh, of all different types. But anyways, uh, usually people that come, I think they're just they're just like everybody else. They're like, oh, I'll take this, but not that, you know. Uh, and, and one day at the end of the pantry, uh, we, we had hardly anything left. There was some cans of corn and this guy came in and he was just rough looking. I imagine, I have no idea, I forget his name. I haven't seen him since. Kind of a mystery man. Uh, I imagine he came from the mountains, just skinny. His face was gaunt. Like there was no fat on him. He he was hungry. He was looking for food. And a very well-spoken, nice young man uh, in his late 20s just came in and said, is this the pantry where I can get some food? He said, yes, of course, come on in. And we were cleaning up, and I was just kind of, uh, kind of a... Um, spectator in the scene and he we didn't have much we had some cans of corn and he's like can I have a can of corn and he took one he said can I can I have the other can of corn we're like yes yes of course take it you're the last one we're closing up take it and he he just kindly do you have a can opener and yeah yeah somebody got him a can opener and he right then and there ate both cans of corn like this image of like he would have eaten anything. Like, here's this image. I think of this young man in this store. I don't know where that guy came from, but this guy here, he's even worse. He's going through the trash, and it says he's willing to eat what the pigs were eating. Like, this is what a famine looks like. And in the Jewish context, a pig, is that a good animal or a bad animal? The worst of animals. Like when you think of pig, don't think of Peppa Pig or Mrs. Piggy. Like think of the worst creature in the Jewish worldview of what you can imagine. And he's just with the pigs. And so like the people listening to the story are just like, oh gosh. And he's longing just to eat what the pigs were eating. This is horrible. And he comes to his senses, as the text says. Comes to his senses. He wakes up. And I pray this morning that we will wake up. All of us have, uh, all of us are in some ways like the prodigal. All of us in some ways are like the older son. And I pray this morning that we will wake up. We will come to our senses. We have all, all of us have, have taken from the Lord and asked and we've, we've used and abused and we've gone astray from the Lord. We are all like the prodigal. I pray we wake up and come to our senses. And this kid, this prodigal, realizes it 
And he comes back, he decides to come back to his father's house. The way he comes back is in true brokenness. We're going to listen to what he says in just a second, but it's like true humility. He is really broken and he's like practicing the speech of what he's going to say to his dad. And it's not, sup dad, how you doing? Can I have my old room back? You didn't take down my Broncos or Justin Bieber posters, did you? Can I, can I hang with you? What's up, dad? No, 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 no. This is brokenness at its worst. Verse 17 of Luke chapter 15 says, but when he came to his senses, think about that statement. Pray that for us. But when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread, but I am dying here with hunger. I think that was a very literal thing. Uh, verse 18, I, was, I, I will get up and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. So he got up and he came to his father. We'll continue that story in just a minute. But a question for you. A question just between you and yourself, this question between you, really, and the Lord, and that is, are you saved? You've probably heard that in the church world, church lingo. You saved or are you lost? Some of these, these, these uh, words, they, they often don't make sense to outsiders, um, people talking about being lost. Like, what am I lost for? I don't understand. Well, if you get this parable, you might get it. Like, the son was lost. He didn't realize he was lost, but he was and then he becomes saved. He realizes he needs to go to the Father. That question for you, between you and the Lord, are you saved? There's always uh, opportunity for that, for you to come to your senses, for me to come to re-come to my senses. Like, are, am I really walking with the Lord in obedience? Am I really walking with him, asking him for forgiveness? So that's where we'll, we'll pause the story here from that perspective. And we'll now look at the same story from a perspective of another person, and that is the perspective of the older son. Point number two is this. The, the lost older son has been with the father. It's like, what? The lost older son has been with the father. You know, this parable, I've heard it called the parable of two lost sons. Because clearly the first son, the younger son, he's lost. He's out squandering the wealth. It's, he's prodigal. But the other son, if you know the story, he's lost too. He's in proximity to the Father, but he actually isn't with the Father. He is lost, even though he's been living in the same house. Here's the story. I will reread it again. As Joel said, buckle up. Now, his older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. Party time. Verse 26, he summoned one of the servants and became, began inquiring uh, what these things could be. Why the party? Why the music? Verse 27 says, And he said to him, Your brother has come home. Your father has killed the fatted calf because he has received him back safe and sound. Verse 28, But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And in this image, I want you to think about this. His father came out and began pleading with him. Pleading with him to do what? to come to a party. Like, think about that image of the kingdom of God. Think about that image of the Father begging us, come in, there is a feast, there is a party, come in, please. 
Verse 29, but he answered and said to his father, look, for so many years I have been serving you and I've never, I've never neglected a command of yours. You have never given me a young goat. My dad never gave me a young goat either. Um, this is a different culture. Uh, never given me a young goat. Like here, what does the prodigal get? He gets the fat, the fatted calf. And, and so this younger, uh, this, excuse me, the older son is saying, you never even gave me a baby goat that I might celebrate with my friends. Verse 30, but when this son of yours came who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened, the fattened calf for him, like the one that, that they had been waiting to slaughter, a fattened calf. I, don't, I have no idea. I've never slaughtered a cow, but I imagine it could feed a couple hundred people. This is a huge party going on. Verse 31, and he said to him, son, you've been with me. You've always been with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice for this brother of yours was dead and he has begun to live. He was lost and has been found. This, of course, we know the context of what Jesus uh, says this parable too. He's in the context of sinners being welcomed to himself and Pharisees and scribes grumbling amongst themselves. Who were they in the story? They're the older. They're the older lost son. Yes, that's what, who Jesus is speaking this parable to. Um, in some ways, we, you look just at the amount of time given to uh, the older son and the, the, old, the younger son, and it's, it, the, the, old, the younger son gets a little bit more. Um, but it's about even. Like This story really is about two sons, not just the prodigal. Here is the other half of the story, and it's about the older son. This is the guy that has, you know, every t-shirt he has is a Jesus t-shirt. He has not only the ichthus fish on his car, he's got it on his bicycle. Not only does he get up every day at 6.30, but he reads the Bible, Christ and coffee every day. This guy has been with God again and again and, and again. And here comes this other guy being welcomed in and a big party being thrown. And he is jealous rage. He just want, he wants nothing to do with this party. It is that sin of jealousy that we see again and again in the Old Testament. Think about after the fall, the first great sin, the first murder was about what? Two brothers, a younger one uh, getting the favor of the Lord and the older one, Cain, what is he? He gets enraged because the father, God the father, liked the offering of Abel. And what does he do? He kills the younger. Think about uh, going forward, Jacob and Esau. Jacob the younger, just by a few minutes, but the younger one gets blessed by the father, Esau, in rage, and Jacob has to flee. What about Joseph and his brothers? It's a reoccurring theme in humanity, reoccurring theme in the Old Testament. Joseph has all these older brothers, and uh, there's the love of the father for Joseph and his coat of many colors. Why, why would dad give you the coat? And they get so angry, they want to kill him. And one of them says, well, let's not kill him. Let's sell him into slavery and get some money. Yeah, great idea. And so they, they think about the rage and the jealousy. And here it is once again, this human uh, radically horrible thing being played out where a older son is enraged with the younger because of the father's love. And yet, 
this lost older son has been with the Lord. He's been with the Father, I should say, which, which uh, somehow represents the Lord and the kingdom of heaven. But he's been robotically following the rules and the laws of the Father. He has been in close proximity to the Father and yet not with the Father. And he is reminded by the Father, Son, verse 31, you have always been with me and all I have, uh, all that is mine is yours. What does this older son want? I mean, think he wants a young goat. Why? For the, for, is he hungry? No, he's probably eaten with dad every day. It's a wealthy family. That's what this picture is of wealth and of a state. He's probably eaten meat at every meal. What does he want? He wants the recognition. He wants the, like, Father, why don't you do anything for me ever? You never even gave me something small that I might celebrate. And here you are celebrating a huge party for this, this one that's run away, and now he's just come back. It's probably because he ran out of money. He's like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. He ran out of money, and now he's back on his knees, and this is being played out, and he is so, so jealous. For some reason in my mind, this reminds me of... At least uh, I, I remember it in the 90s, the, the parable of the footprints in the sand. Do you know this? It's one of those cheese ball things that, that just like, it's, it's like the power of it, though, is, is huge. It's, it's like we walk through life and always there's two sets of footprints through our life. We get to heaven, we look back and we see, oh, it's, it's this long road of life and all the mountaintops, all the good days. There's always two sets of footprints. But why? Why when we go down to the valley and it's hard and it's, it's, it's horrible, was there only one set of footprints? Why did you leave me in those times, and of course the answer in this beautiful poem, although cheesy as it is, is that the Lord was carrying us. That's why there was only one set of footprints through those deepest valleys. This younger, this older son, excuse me, needs to recognize, don't we all, that the Lord has been with us. A good reminder in our daily life, like, Lord, where are you? Well, he is there. He has been there he is with us. This story abruptly ends, and we, Jesus moves on to telling another parable. I always wonder, like, what happens after the, the father tells the older son, like, all I have is yours. Come into this party. You've always been with me. What happens? Well, there's a couple of different directions the story can go. Uh, I thought of three. I think the third one that I'll share with is, is probably what happened. And as soon as I say it, you're going to be like, yeah. I, th I think you're right. That's, that's what happened. The first one is that the son, the older son, has a good reaction. He's like, Dad, you're right. I have been with you. My brother has come home, and, and it is worth celebrating. So he goes to the party and celebrates, and he repents that he was uh, jealous and enraged. The second option is, is kind of a sad option. The third one's going to be a horrible option, so, so brace yourself. Happy Father's Day. Um, <laughs> The second one is, is bad, but it's not as bad as where we're going. You'll see in a minute. The second option that I thought of was that the older son, in like an irony, um, is like, Dad, I'm sick of this. I'm sick of this younger son and your attitude. And uh, this is not right. Now I want to get out of here. Give me my inheritance. So the older son goes out. 
And then we could only hope that maybe he, after some time, would come to his senses and come back and we would see this cycle. And so I guess that's not too bad of an ending. The, the, the third option is this. And as soon as I say that, you're going to be like, yeah, that's, that's probably what this parable is all about, sadly enough, that the older son in his rage is like, this is not right, that, that this young son has squandered and, and in a culture of honor, this young son has dishonored you by asking for his wealth, asking for your wealth, saying, I'd rather you be dead, and then, and then actually getting it and squandering it, and this is not right with rage. This son beats up his father and keeps beating him up and keeps beating him up until he is nearly dead and then decides, I'm going to take it up a notch because this honor thing, this is, this is not right. And so what he decides to do is I'm going to execute my own father. And he does so in a way that would have been common in that time, which is to put him on the cross and to kill him. I think about like, that's, isn't, that exactly what the Pharisees end up doing? Isn't that what happens? Sadly enough, I've always thought, um, maybe growing up and hearing the story of Jesus, like why, why did he get killed? Like he, he's, he's helping people. He's, he's telling good stories. He's healing people. And it seems like you know, if you, if you want to keep someone around, you want to keep the guy that's healing, but you might need him later. Like, why, why does Jesus get killed? Well, this is maybe a glimpse, a glimpse into maybe lots of different reasons. But this rage of jealousy that this God welcomes in sinners is a piece of that. Why the Pharisees, the the the, the people in power of that time would have wanted to kill Jesus, claiming to be one with the Father. Let's move from that image. We're looking at the same story, the prodigal son, from first the prodigal, then the elder son. Now let's, let's look at this full picture. The third and final point is of the Father, and it is this, point number three. The Father loves both of his sons. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> the father loves both of his sons, both lost sons. So we said, usually people, and rightly so, call this parable the, the parable of the prodigal son. But really, you could take it up a notch if you really know it. You say, this is the parable of the two lost sons. And then I think if you, if you were to really know this story, really a better name, a better title for it would be the, the parable of the loving father. Because that's really what this is about. This is a glimpse into our Father God's heart that he loves, of course, both sons. The older son, he's out begging him to come into a party. He's, he's pleading with him, come into this party. You are welcomed here. And the older son wants nothing to do with it. And then he says these loving words, all that I have, it's yours. And a reminder, you've been with me this whole time. He loves the older son. And of course, he loves the younger son. In all the images of all the stories in the Bible, is there anything better than the image of this father welcoming the prodigal home? 
The Greek here, when he says he embraces him and kisses him, is like a continual thing. It's like he hugs him and hugs him and kisses him and kisses him. It's not just like a you know, hug, two pat, and then a little kiss. No, this is like, like whoa, there's like this father is supposed to be in the Middle Eastern culture, like this patristic estate owner. He's got everything under control. He doesn't run, and yet he runs after this son that must have just looked horrible and with like rags, and he's running, and he then he just goes crazy on this kid. He hugs him and loves him and kisses him. He does not have the, you know, the properness that was due at that time. He takes on the shame of this younger son. He goes into the dust with him and hugs him and welcomes him where he is. I heard uh, this saying from a, a wise person. Um, his name is Brett Davis. If you don't know him, he's sitting right here. Um, but oftentimes, like a lot of like, man, what you said was so good. That's usually, sometimes, almost usually it's Brett stuff. But this, this week we were talking about this parable and he made uh, just an, this is a simple parable and yet it's so profound. He says, the, the place that the younger son goes is the distant country. And it says that in the distant country, when the younger son comes to his senses, while he was still in the distance, the father comes running. It's not like the, the younger son comes, you know, 99.9% up the door uh, to the house and then the father goes running out the last three feet. It's like, no, that's not, the, that's not what's going on here, at least as far as the Greek text is concerned. It's like when he's still out with the pigs, he comes to his senses. He's like, I need to go to my father. And he comes with this attitude of a religiousness. Like, I'm going to work my way back to the father. Father, I'm, I'm not your son. Just consider me one of your hired hands. I will work for you. And what does the father do? He says, forget all that. You are my son. You are welcomed in. You want to know the word that represents what that is? It's the word grace. This is the religion of Christianity, not a religion of works. It's a religion of grace being chased after by the Father. The invitation by God as he is running after you, even in the midst of sin. It's the invitation of God, even when you're in close proximity, to come in to the house. Come to the party. There's invitation. It's an invitation of grace to be welcomed in. It's an invitation for a meal. The kingdom of God is often considered like this meal. In this case, it's a meal, a celebration meal for someone who was lost and then is found. Every week we celebrate communion. And there's something about, uh, we, we could pass it, we could do that, but there's something about if you're able to, of standing up and coming forward. It's this image of taking a step a very small one towards the table and being overwhelmed by the rushing presence of God chasing after us. I'm going to reread this final text um, of the son, the, the prodigal coming to his senses and what happens as the father chases him down. I want to invite you to stand. I want to invite you to, to wake up, to hear this text in a new way. The band, you guys could come forward. Um, in a minute, Brett's going to lead us uh, in prayer to the communion table and give us some instructions. But listen to this. 
This is the words first of the son thinking about what he's going to say to his father. And it's words that I think we could wake up to. Every single one of us can say these words. It says this in Luke 15, starting in verse 18, Father, I have sinned against heaven. Another way to put that would be, I have sinned as high as heaven and in your sight. Verse 19, I am no longer worthy to be called your son, but make me as one of your hired men. So he got up, came to his father in this image, but while he was still a long way off, very distant place, his father saw him, felt compassion for him, and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. He starts this speech. He's about to say what he was going to say about being a hired hand, but the father puts an end to it. The father said to his slaves, Quick, bring out the best robe, the best robe. Put it on him and a ring on his hand, sandals on his feet, and bring the fattened calf. Kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead, and he has come to life again. He was lost, and he has been found, and they began to celebrate. 